Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is entertainment news. This is from UPI. Six Flags seeks brave pairs for 30-hour couples coffin challenge. Do you I, remember yes. the coffin challenge that we yeah, reported now on? Now it's a couple thing. Last year, they're doing it again, but it's with couples. Oh. It's with two people in Why? the coffin. Was this like a runaway success last year? They felt the need know. to do it again. <laughs> I don't know. So if you weren't uh, listening to our show a year ago, uh, Anthony brought a story about this challenge where you would just be in a coffin for 30 hours. <laughs> and like, we thought that was kind of weird. Well, they're doing it again. I'm assuming it's the same park. I didn't actually confirm that, but I, it's no. some, it's a six flags in Maryland. Okay. They're doing the 30 hour coffin challenge, but it's a couple's challenge. Um, so it, you don't have to be a romantic couple. They say it's couples of any sort. So romantic pairs, family members or friends. Okay. Um, have to spend 30 hours in a coffin together. It's from 4 p.m. September 27th until 10 p.m. September 28th. Um, the rules say that the couples will allow, be allowed to have a friend nearby during park hours, but they will be alone when the park is closed. <laughs> and then it was like, there will be fright fest ghouls lurking in the darkness. I'm like, what does that mean? Like a yeah. hollow weekends, or just like pe- they hire people like at night to be like groaning and stuff. Like outside they're the coffin. In, I was like, gonna say they're in a coffin, so they can't see any of this. So why yeah, would it just I be people making sounds? I don't know. Seems like a waste of effort. Yeah. Uh, the participants will not be allowed to use their smartphones or other electronic devices, no. except during designated break times. Oh. But I don't think it's at night at all. Okay. Uh, anyone who gets out of their coffin for any reason, with the exception of the designated bathroom and meal breaks, will be automatically disqualified and not eligible to win the contest. Uh, the couple remaining at the end of the 30-hour challenge will receive $600, a pair of 2020 gold season passes to the park, and a Fright Fest prize package, which I don't know what's in that. I don't know. Uh, and then... And it says participants will potentially be exposed to fog, dramatic lighting, flash photography, and extreme weather conditions. I'm like, Wait. okay, this sounds unsafe. Like, what, are they just outside? Flash photography. Now? They're in a coffin. Again, I feel like there's a lot of visual elements that don't really translate <laughs> to an enclosed space. Maybe they all have like a video camera like in the coffin taping them the whole time. Oh, or taking pictures. I don't so know. So for the couples, I assume this is like a double wide coffin situation, not like you're like oh. in a one person coffin on top of each other. I don't know. I assumed it was a one person <laughs> coffin and you were just on top of each other in a coffin. See, that for sounds 30 awful. Hours. That sounds awful. Like that's just incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. Like the last time we talked about this, it wasn't necessarily a comfort thing. It was just you you didn't have a electronic device it wasn't like you mm. could like watch netflix the whole time or something you yeah. had to just sit there you even do? with no distraction that's really really difficult yeah no i, I don't think i could do that but if uh, you have that on top of you're in there with another person yeah that is just, just like, like smushed in there with you oh very claustrophobic yeah no i don't think i could do it so i certainly wouldn't do it for just six hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like not even a great prize. I mean, yeah. I guess if you go to this park, if you a go lot, to the, park the 2020 a lot. season passes are kind of worth a lot, but like, right. I don't know if it's, they're worth this. Yeah, eh. I don't like amusement parks enough to justify that. Um, what do you think is in the Fright Fest prize package? Uh, 
fake blood. Uh, those vampire witch, those little teeth. Vampire teeth, witch nails. <laughs> like those little nails you can put on your, each of your fingers. Okay. Not bugles, but like actual, <laughs> actual plastic. It's a pack of bugles. <laughs> Candy corns. Candy corns, probably. Uh, ghost marshmallow peeps. Okay. This, sound, this all sounds correct. Yeah, that's, that's probably what it is. A costume gift, gift where basket. you can dress up as Six Flags. Like, the costume is Six Flags yeah. at the theme park? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Just I don't have to describe it. I'm sure you can all imagine exactly what that would look like. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the registration deadline has already passed. It oh. was September 9th. Bummer. Um, so we can't sign up with friends. I was not, not going to suggest you and I sign up for this. Sorry, <laughs> but... I, no offense. No. I don't want to do this with anybody. <laughs> that just sounds uh, incredibly uncomfortable in every sense of the term. Yeah, just really, really terrible. For um, six hundred bucks, like, come on. My first story is animal news. <laughs> and this is from Gizmodo. You know where you get your animal news. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. The headline reads, newly identified electric eel species is the most shocking animal ever. That's a great headline. I thought so too. Uh, scientists have assumed that the electric eel comprised a single species ever since taxonomist Carl Linnaeus first described the creature 250 years ago. But, but researchers, <laughs> I'm sorry, trying to make that dramatic. dramatic I don't pause. know if that worked. Um, researchers examining specimens from across South America have revealed that eels found in different waters diverge in shape, genetics, and even their ability to produce electric shocks. Hmm. Uh, they say electric electricity is a crucial component of all life, but electric fish have a specialized organ made from electric current generating cells that work much like batteries, where adding more in series makes the shock stronger. Um, they examined 107 electric eels taken from waters across northern South America, uh, measuring different parts of their body and analyzing their DNA. Um, and this genetic analysis revealed that electric eels actually comprise three species whose mitochondrial DNA, which is the DNA contained in the cell's powerhouse, everybody knows the mitochondria are the powerhouse, powerhouse of the, of the cell, cell. Uh, <laughs> which is separate from the identity-determining nuclear DNA. I didn't realize that was a thing. It turns out it is. Uh, they said it differs more uh, than humans' mitochondrial DNA differs from that of chimps. So the difference between these species of eels actually more than the difference between like humans and chimps, oh. which is kind of surprising because hmm. like chimps are closest living. Uh, yeah. Um, the researchers proposed naming the three species Electrophorus voltae, Electrophorus electricus, and Electrophorus vary, and published their species descriptions in the journal Nature Communications. The analysis also revealed that E. voltae could produce shocks up to 860 volts. Wow. Which is higher than has ever been measured for electric eels or any other organism before. Uh, they pointed out that the third rail powering New York City's subway system carries only 625 volts. Oh, wow. So this thing is more can generate a shock more powerful than the third rail of the subway system. Um, wow. And then they also said electric chairs used for executions produce over 2,000 volts. So that kind of gives you an idea of what the range is there. So they're wow. dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Don't grab onto one is, of these. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't. I kind of always assumed that electric eels were one species. Also, I, I'm also not a scientist, but like, 
I, I, I also assume I, that. So I, I've, I've never I, really, like, really looked into electric eels. I just, but now, like, yeah, I've never done extensive research. It, like, how do they work? How does the electricity... Well, that was the thing is like, they, they mentioned come, those electric current generating cells, but and that they, like, if you have more, I guess, it makes the shock stronger. They didn't really say why that, why they do. It's why? just so interesting <laughs> that only one type of animal can do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, there I might be other animals that can generate an electric shock, and it's just not as pronounced as the mm, electric eel, maybe. maybe. But I, I don't know. I mean, um, we got electricity all up in our brains. That's that's true. That's, that's like true. A smaller amount. Yeah, that's true. All right, my next story is food news. Wendy's has announced plans to add breakfast to all of its nearly six thousand locations across the United States in twenty twenty. I don't eat at Wendy's a lot. Did they not have breakfast before? Oh, they don't. Yeah, they don't. Okay. Well, Actually, makes, supposedly they had it at 300 locations scattered throughout, but ooh, I've secret, never seen secret it. Secret breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a trial run, but they're going to increase it to all their locations. Okay. And with that, the company and its franchises are expecting to hire around 20,000 new employees. Oh. To support, Just a, like, I guess, earlier, earlier hours. and Yeah. Hmm. Which is kind of nice. Yeah. It's more jobs. Um, and three of the signature items on the menu uh-huh. will be the breakfast baconator, which uh, is just like a Wendy's baconator burger, except eggs. it's a sausage patty and eggs yeah. instead of the beef. Okay. So there's like a bunch of bacon and stuff on it. It kind of lends itself to breakfast already. Yeah. Super easy. Just swap it, swap just it out. Swap out the lettuce for eggs. Yeah, the lettuce is eggs, mm-hmm. and the beef patty is a sausage patty now. Yeah, you know what That's I always it. say, lettuce is eggs, when you really think about it. <laughs> yeah, which, they're so easily swappable. You know, on a salad, you could just make it yeah, just, just eggs. Yeah, just make a bunch of eggs. Egg yeah. salad. Egg, there you go. That's, that, that's what egg salad is. I We've mean, cracked it. Also, they're going to have a frosty chino, which is a frosty spiked with cold brew coffee. Okay. So uh, all they're doing is just taking their, their frosty and just putting cold brew in it. Uh-huh. I'm seeing a theme here. <laughs> yeah. And then third, a honey butter chicken biscuit. A crispy chicken sandwich with a honey butter adorned biscuit bun instead of a so, normal bun. So it's so, their chicken sandwich with the bun removed and a biscuit instead. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Pretty easy, right? Um, But... I don't know. I mean, I'm excited because this chicken biscuit sandwich is more competition for Chick-fil-A, and I just find that entertaining because it's going to start this whole thing of like, oh. Another chicken sandwich? This is a chicken biscuit sandwich. What's better? <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, the there whole has, thing with the Popeyes. There's been a lot of, yeah, I've there's been, been a lot of uh, a conflict in the in the chicken sandwich community. Yes, and it's. <laughs> somewhat amusing to just like watch as a bystander for some reason <laughs> as a bystander who has no emotional stake in which chicken sandwich is better literally yes. couldn't care less but <laughs> um but yeah i i do go to wendy's every once in a while at the very low frequency that i do eat fast food i do choose wendy's mm. see at the very the very high frequency that i eat fast food i rarely go to wendy's <laughs> It's usually Taco Bell. Really? I love Taco Bell. 
They have breakfast food. I've never gotten it. They do have breakfast food. Uh, My next story is Space News. This is from CNN. Astronauts make concrete in space for the first time. Okay. Wait, why were they making concrete in space? I think I'm going to assume that you are going to explain that. I will explain that. Okay. (laughs) I like kind of your stream of consciousness there. All right. Um, One recent experiment on the International Space Station included mixing an aqueous solution with tricalcium silicate for the first time, which is the scientific way of saying concrete. Uh, So this was an experiment that they did on the International Space Station. Um, Okay. Astronauts participated in the, this is the title, Microgravity Investigation of Cement Solidification Project. It doesn't even stand for anything. Oh, right. It stands for Mike's. Uh, <laughs> Wait, oh, you mean that they didn't come up with an acronym? It's not even an acronym. It's just that. Oh. Um, but they participated in this project to understand how the chemistry of concrete is changed by zero gravity, uh, including the microscopic structures inside of concrete. Uh, a variety of mixtures were made where the cement powder, additives, water, and time allowance varied. The researchers studied how the cement powder dissolved in the water because this is when the molecular structures shift to create interlocking crystals. Uh, the space station mixtures were compared to samples mixed on Earth. The cement paste on Earth ended up being more porous, which this article says is more intriguing because more open spaces in the concrete would affect its strength. I don't know if it's that intriguing, but I thought it was kind of kind of interesting, I guess. Okay. Uh, for some reason on Earth, it has more air bubbles in it, which I guess kind of makes sense when you're in an airless location. Well, not in the well, International Space Station. Do, I mean, there's air in the space station, right? So. Yeah. Well, there has to be air. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless they or were wearing space like, suits the whole yeah, time. No, but. The, which they're not. This, this would all, maybe it's all a hoax. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they also noted that the samples were mixed in sealed pouches, which begs the question of what might happen had they been mixed in an open environment <laughs> in space. It's a very of dramatic course. article about mixing concrete. Yeah, I know. Um, there's also currently an experiment on the space station looking at cement samples that include simulated lunar particles to see if we could use moon dust in the process, making moon concrete. Whoa. <laughs> uh, using, Whoa. Using materials already on hand would obviously reduce the cost of transporting materials. Thank you, article. <laughs> obviously. Of, I could have probably made that deduction on my own. Uh, concrete could provide a good protective material for building infrastructure on the moon and Mars to help protect humans from extreme temperatures and radiation. Uh, this experiment confirms that it's possible, and now they have to investigate binders that are specific for space and variable levels of gravity. So this is basic. The whole point of this was to see, could we build structures on the moon okay. out of concrete? If we so desired. Okay. And it seems like the conclusion is yes. 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 Okay. It is. Okay. Yes. Okay, so if you could choose what the first structure would be for humans to build on the moon. Ball pit. A ball pit? <laughs> a ball Anti-gravity pit? ball pit? Are you kidding? <gasps> what? That's amazing. But yeah, okay, I didn't, I didn't have the vision immediately. <laughs> That's just the first thing that came to mind, and I knew it was right. A ball pit. Okay. On the moon. Okay. Do you think they should make a moon like theme park where people visit? Mm. Or should it be more of like a habitat where people actually live? 
I mean, because a lot of like technically, technically, they should make a habitat where people can live, so that we can establish a base on the moon before we make a ball pit. Or an amusement park. <laughs> but you know that all those like futuristic things are always like, oh, there's a vacation spot on the moon. Or there's mm-hmm. like a, I feel like I've seen that. Yeah. So we got to build the hotel first and then we can make yes. the ball pit and then we can make the amusement park. The amusement park the will be challenging though because I feel like a lot of amusement park rides kind of rely on gravity. <laughs> they do. <laughs> but we could design roller coast anti-gravity coasters. That's true. I don't know how that would... I guess they'd have to be propelled somehow. All of the or, physics would just have to be reworked, you know? They yeah. Just have to that sounds like somebody else's <laughs> problem to solve. Because all uh, I'm thinking of is like Roller Coaster Tycoon where you don't build the end of a track and the coaster just goes flying off the end. Well, In space, yeah. like if it goes up a hill like and it's not attached to the track sufficiently, yeah. it's just going to fly off. It would just keep off. going. <laughs> it would have to be attached to the tracks. Yeah. Maybe I mean, like it would, eventually, it, it would eventually land just slowly. I don't know. It might just go. The moon out has gravity. It depends. I guess it depends on how high up this roller how, coaster goes. Yeah. How much force does it have that it's shooting up? There's a lot of logistics we have to figure out with this. Yeah. So the first thing is the hotel. Moon yes. hotel. Yeah. That's the first thing that should. Build. Should we have food I, production too? Because like at an amusement Ooh, yeah. park, you definitely need food, so you can like overcharge people for it. In the hotel, you even need food. God, a moon themed a moon amusement park is going to be so expensive. Those tickets are going to be unbelievable. Like, are we counting the transportation or no? Oh, man, I hadn't even thought of that. So the, you know. I assume the amusement park was something you go to while you're there. there. Yes. Oh, I was thinking like you leave Earth for a vacation at the Moon Amusement Park. Okay, so you're specifically going for the amusement park. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. That's what I was thinking. I thought you were going just just to hang out and then the amusement park would be part of it. Either way, you're going to have to pay so much for the space jet ride to get there and moon, back. What about a moon swimming pool? Would that even work? What? The water wouldn't... Would it stay? I don't know. Is there enough gravity to keep the water in the pool? I think so. But maybe if you did like a cannonball, it would just keep going. <laughs> just, the If you jumped into it... But then, see, the force of you falling into the water would be less. That's also true. Like, you couldn't cannonball really strongly into the water like normal because you just... Also, are we assuming this this swimming pool is just on the surface of the moon? (laughs) Because I don't think that's going to work either. Yeah, wait, that doesn't work. Because it's also really cold. It's an in-ground... Right? Isn't it cold on the moon? Probably. I mean, but it's not that much further from the sun than the Earth is, so, like, it shouldn't be that cold. But it doesn't have an atmosphere to keep any of the heat in. Oh, you're right. So it is cold. Yeah. It has to be cold, then. Okay. So <laughs> they just have to be... It, the, the pool would have to be in the hotel. There would have to be gravity. Are we getting too far into the weeds now? I don't know. I, oh, this is such a good thought we, exercise. We blew past that exit <laughs> several hundred miles back. I guess it's the moon, so 700,000 miles back. All right. I'll think about this later. All, all that to say, we've got the concrete now. We can build that ball pit. All right. My next story is random local news. And this is from abc13.com. Ooh, the luckiest. A local ABC. The luckiest ABC. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the headline is, two reports of primate on the loose in Santa Fe in two days. So two reports in two days. Of the same primate? Of the same primate. Presumably. There are reports of an animal that may be a chimpanzee on the loose in the Santa Fe area 
An animal shelter director and a parks official told ABC on Tuesday, shelter staff initially said they received reports the animal has harassed people and dogs and had attempted to take cats. Like it was trying to kidnap. Catnap. Catnap. It was trying to take a cat from someone. At least one report of that. I mean, I love cats, so I kind of, I understand. Um, But the claims could not be verified at the time of (laughs) me seeing this article. That seems like a weird thing to make up. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I saw a chimpanzee in my backyard and it tried to take my cat. Like, who, what? Where do you think it came from? I mean, I assume a zoo. Is a zoo missing a chimp? Well, they don't know because there's no reported chimpanzees missing. And also this article said that if you own a chimpanzee, um, where is this? This is in... Texas, um, you have to have a permit to own certain animals. So you can have one, but you have to have it like registered and stuff. And they've checked with the people that have registered that they have a chimpanzee and all of those are accounted for. We so let, it's an unregistered we just, like, let one. People have chimpanzees, I guess huh. the Seems license strange. holder. I mean, maybe if you, if you're a license holder, you have to be like some type of animal shelter or something. Like, okay. I don't know. Maybe if it's just a regular person, you can't have a license. Yeah. That seems like a dangerous animal that just have, they rip off faces. Do they actually? Mm-hmm. There's a lady who got her face ripped off by a chimpanzee at a zoo. I didn't. Wait, didn't really? When did yeah. that happen? I don't know. It was a while ago. I'm not kidding. Was, no, I no, I believe it. Like it I've heard horrific, that, but for some yeah. reason I like yeah, they can, didn't they, know it was like a re- they're really strong as part zoo. of it. Like they're a strong animal. So okay, well, one is loose in Santa Fe, so don't go to Santa Fe. So just be on the lookout. So someone must have had an unregistered chimpanzee because they don't know whose it is, and maybe, they don't know where it is. But maybe it escaped from the moon zoo. I'm adding, a, I'm adding a, I'm adding adding a, zoo, a zoo to our complex adding on the moon. Yeah. I like the idea of a zoo. A moon zoo? Those, would it be considered uh, animal cruelty, like having a moon yeah. zoo just to see how animals do in that environment? Because uh, yeah. that seems how problematic. Would you, you'd have to get the animals there. How does a bird fly on the moon? I don't think they can do space travel. Can a bird travel? fly on the moon? Wait. No, because there's not there is there be enough, enough air. There wouldn't be enough air. Is there's not enough. I mean, there's some. Is there any air at all, or is it just completely? I mean, there has to be some, there's right? Some atmosphere because it, like, it has grav. It has gravity, just not a lot. So it's super, super, super thin. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'd be able to. I don't think there'd be enough. There's only one way to find out: put a bird in a space helmet and set it loose on the moon. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. But okay, well, maybe, maybe we could build a bird robot and test that. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably more humane. <laughs> probably. <laughs> okay. My next story is technology news. This is from Engadget. MIT's color-changing ink could let you customize your shoes. Wait, why can't I currently customize my shoes? <laughs> Keep listening. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Imagine if, rather than buying your favorite shoes in blue or red, you could buy one pair of shoes and change the color depending on how you feel each day. Okay. 
I'm listening. This product that they're developing is called Photochromelian Ink, which feels like a bit of a mouthful. Um, it was developed by MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, and it can change the color or pattern of an object when exposed to UV light. Um, the team behind this mixed cyan, magenta, and yellow photochromic dyes into a solution that they can spray onto objects, anything from shoes to cars to phone cases and toys. Um, and a coated object is then placed in a box with a projector in UV light. Users map the color or pattern they want into a program which uses the UV light to activate and deactivate different colors in the ink. So you like put in this box, tell a program what you want your shoes to look like, and then it can essentially reprogram the ink to show the colors that you want. That just seems impossible. Right? I don't know how they do it. They say the colors last in natural light, and if you aren't happy with the design, you can use the UV light to erase it and start again. Um, and it doesn't sound like there's any limit to the number of times you can change it. Um, wow. They said for objects the size of a shoe, the process can take between 15 and 40 minutes. So it's not like instant, but it's... That's pretty quick, though. A, you could like wake up in the morning and be like, I need something green to go with my outfit for the day and make some green shoes, and you're good to go. Whoa. Like how, how fun would that be? That would be really fun. Um, and the Whoa. researchers said they still have work to do perfecting the colors of the dyes, but Ford, as in like the car company, which helped fund the project, has expressed interest in the ink. The company hopes it might one day cut down on the cost and time required to fabricate automotive parts because like, if something's not the right color, they can just reprogram it to be the right color or like make yeah. everything like that's going to be that everything of that shape in the same with the same ink and then change it like change, change the, color the color of later. it depending on the car. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so it said it does last in natural UV like in like natural sunlight? it said in natural light it lasts. So Yeah, I I also wonder they didn't say anything about like UV radiation from the sun how that would affect it. I think it must have to deal deal with like the length of the exposure and like the intensity of it. Hmm. Um but yeah, I thought that was really cool. That is like, how super cool would it be cool. to have just like a pair of shoes that every single day you can be like, okay, I'm wearing like a purple shirt today. I'm going to make my shoes purple too. Or I'm yes. put like this cool pattern on them. Why not apply that to other clothing? Anything. Also, yeah. I mean, I assume it would work with anything. You, if you, <laughs> I was thinking about flexible shorts. Um, <laughs> I mean, haven't, ink- haven't we all been thinking about flexible shorts since, since, since that news story? I um, can't get them out of my head. <laughs> you know, the ink is flexible, so you can put it on cloth and Presumably, probably, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't see why not. I, I mean, could, I, I don't flexible know. Flexible shorts this, but could I'm come just... in any color that you want. Yeah. And, he, and <laughs> on different days, you could have different colored flexible shorts. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look for stories that were just posted today or just happened today, and we read them to you on the fly. Moon baseball pit. Ready, set, go! Go! Okay, I found something on CBS News. Message in a bottle leads to rescue of California families stranded on 40-foot waterfall. So this couple went hiking at Big Sur State Park, and I don't know where that is, but it doesn't say here, but wherever that is at. I don't know. And um, they went 
up to this like hill and there was a waterfall and I guess they had hiked that path before and there was supposed to be like a rope or something that they could rappel down the side of the waterfall or something, but the rope wasn't there and they got there so they and they couldn't get down and they couldn't go back where they had come from because it was too dangerous. So they were just like stuck at the top of this oh. waterfall. And um so they actually wrote like an SOS message message in a glass bottle and sent it down the waterfall and just like hoped someone would find it. And they did. Like less than twenty four hours later, someone found the bottle. And they got rescued because of that. Oh, my gosh. Because they didn't have any cell service or anything. They were just, like, in, you know, on this, like, mountain hiking trail. Oh, gosh. That sounds so scary. Yeah. I would be, like, terrified. Like, okay. We ended up in a situation where we can't I wonder what made it so dangerous to go back down the way that they came. Must have been, like, they were climbing up vertical surfaces or something. It must have been, yeah. I'm not sure. I I don't really do, like, intense hiking like that, so I'm not super familiar with those situations, but I can imagine there are some places that you have to go down a different way that you go up because mm-hmm. of just the way that the, like the steepness of the terrain and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so they, luckily they had this glass bottle and paper and a pen. Yeah, that is, yeah. <laughs> just yeah, a why? lot of lucky things. Like they had all yeah, the equipment. That's true that they didn't have cell service, but they did have paper and a pencil. I've never, I would have never thought, I would never think to bring that with well, me on a hike. They said that they had brought it with them because they were going to use it to keep, they were going to like play card games or something or games and use it to keep score. Like that's the reason that they had wow. it with them. That's, that's wild. <laughs> so like that was lucky. And yeah. then someone found it like right away. So they weren't even stuck really that long because someone found it. So a lot of lucky yeah. things. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of things lined up there. Could have gone much worse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was cool. Like they actually used a message in a bottle to get rescued. Like, yeah. How often do you hear about that actually accomplishing? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Most of the time, like, all you accomplish is littering. I mean, that's like a trope, right? Like you're stuck on an island or something, do a message in a bottle again. Mm-hmm. But it's like. Except on an island, was, I feel like it's likely to just like float right back to the shore. Yeah, or arrive somewhere else in like three years or something. Yeah. I guess in this case it was just like down the river. Like I think the river probably mm-hmm. led to like a town or something. So Right. That this was this made a this had a little more working in their favor, but still. Yeah. I'm so, glad they're okay. Yeah. They have a picture of it of the note and it has the date. It just says, We are stuck here at the waterfall. Get help, please. And then they put it in the bottle and they put SOS in the bottle and then just like put that in the river. Wild. Well, yeah. Yeah. Fun times. <laughs> They're okay. They're good. All right. I found this on UPI where I find pretty much every weird story. Uh, <laughs> man snaps 98 pencils in one minute for Guinness record. <laughs> I love these weird Guinness records. I just, this is an Idaho. Who thinks of this stuff? This is an Idaho man who has. Uh, broken a lot of Guinness World Records, and I'm actually kind of wondering if you recognize his name. Um, but he, like I said, he broke his rated, latest record by breaking 98 pencils in one minute. His name is David Rush. I think that's a different guy than the guy we've talked about before. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, the name doesn't ring a bell. But he apparently has more than 100 records to his name. Huh. Um, but yeah, he... Uh, Attempted this at a at a conference in front of a bunch of people, and 
he spoke to the conference about the importance of STEM education and then broke 98 pencils in one minute. <laughs> Breaking the previous record of 90, was so apparently somebody has actually attempted this one before. Oh, okay. It's not like that other guy where he just would make up records to yeah. break. Um, well, yeah. The other guy, like, he cut watermelons on himself, right? Wasn't that that guy? Yes, I remember that guy. He also said he prepared for this by uh, practicing with bamboo chopsticks so that he wouldn't have to buy hundreds of pencils just to destroy them. But why? But you still had to what buy you, a bunch of chopsticks to destroy them. What was your... What's the difference? Yeah. <laughs> I guess a pencil's a little more material, but it's still, like, like it's such maybe a... Maybe you can bulk purchase chopsticks for like a dollar or something like yeah it's just such a weird distinction to make like it is you're still breaking a bunch of wooden objects what are you (laughs) all right that's our show thanks for listening everybody we post episodes every friday and as always the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description you can subscribe to Nick News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever other app you'd like to use. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News and on Twitter at at News. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.